Things like emotional issues and physical challenges are just some of the things you might struggle with after losing your sight. But it's important to remember that you're not alone when you go through these things. So join my special guest and I as we discuss the struggles that we face after sight loss. And that's coming up today on episode number 13 of Life After Sight Loss Radio. Welcome to Life After Sight Loss Radio, the podcast helping you discover life after sight loss. My name is Derek Daniel. I am your host and resident VIP, aka visually impaired person. If you're new to the program, hey, welcome aboard. This is the place where we discuss all kinds of topics, all with the express purpose of helping individuals and families who are going through or facing physical sight loss. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here today. If you've come back for another round of the podcast, hey, welcome back. And again, if you're new, welcome aboard. I'm excited about today's episode, as I usually am, because I love talking about this stuff with all of you guys. And today I've got a very special guest on the podcast. She is somebody that I met through a Facebook group. Actually, it's a Facebook group for people that have Uh, the disease that I have. Spoiler alert, she has the same disease that I have. And we got connected and we ended up Skyping and just having a great conversation one day for like, I don't know, three and a half hours. Yeah, don't worry, the podcast isn't that long. But we just had a great discussion and she's doing wonderful things. She actually hosts her own blog and we're going to get into all of that. So her name is Maria Johnson great gal. I'm excited to have her on the podcast to talk about some of these struggles that we go through. And sometimes we even go through them kind of silently and we don't talk about them a lot because we're not sure if we're supposed to. We're not sure how we're supposed to be feeling, especially if you're a sighted supporter. You definitely don't know. So Maria and I go into a great discussion about things. So I'm excited about today's topic. I'm excited for you to listen and it's just going to be a great one. Before we jump into the discussion, I want to remind you that you can find today's show notes, which are are going to include all the links to find Maria online, her website, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Just go to lifeaftersightloss.com slash 013. That's lifeaftersightloss.com slash 013. And you can get all the links to get in touch with Maria, to read her blog. It's awesome. She's terrific. So go over to the show notes, lifeaftersightloss.com slash 013. So without further ado, let's jump into my discussion of the struggles that we face after sight loss with Maria Johnson. Joining me today from across the country in beautiful, sunny California, she is a blogger, a podcaster, and an advocate for the visually impaired community from girlgoneblind.com, Miss Maria Johnson. Hey, Maria, how you doing today? Hey, Derek. I'm doing great. Thanks for the great intro. That was awesome. Oh, well, my pleasure, and you deserve it. So you got, <laughs> you know how they say that uh, this person needs no introduction. I think everybody needs a good introduction. So oh, you, you totally yes. deserve it. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me on your podcast. Well, it's my pleasure. And I'm so glad you're here today. Maria and I are going to talk about some of the struggles that visually impaired people go through. And sometimes it's the silent struggles because we're so, I don't know, programmed not to express these things because we fear we'll be shamed. We fear that people will talk about us or think bad about us or something like that. So Maria, I'm so glad you're here to talk about it with me. And before we jump into it, let's get a little 
bit of information from you, give you uh, some context, give the audience a little context if they don't know who you are. First of all, uh, again, Maria Johnson, girlgoneblind.com, and we'll find out more about her online presence towards the end of the podcast. But first of all, Maria, let me ask you a couple of questions here. How did you lose your sight? Or as I like to say, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Well, I think people might say a lot of things, but um, (laughs) we'll stick to the vision loss. Well, you and I both have the same condition. Mm -hmm. I lost my vision to Labor's hereditary optic neuropathy, which started in April of 2013 for me. And slowly but surely, um, I lost vision in one eye and then I lost vision in the other eye. And that whole process took about eight months. Meanwhile, going through lots of testing, trying to figure out what was going on with me. And I was basically legally blind by November of 2013. So, and that all happened when I was 50 years old. Wow. So you lost your sight a lot later than I did. I was 18, of course, as I shared on the podcast. And mine actually took a little bit less time. I lost my sight in about two months. But like you said, we do have the same genetic disease. So it's interesting, the differences and similarities, and we're going to get into that more here in just a little bit. So according to my math, it's been about what, three and a half years, something like that for you? Yes, it's been about three and a half years. And, you know, sometimes it seems like it was just yesterday, but sometimes it seems like it's been forever. It's just, you know, just depending upon the day and and how things are going and, and where I'm at, you know, mentally on my journey, you know, it just really depends as you can relate. Absolutely. And so just for reference for the audience, I know that I've shared my visual acuity. You don't have to give us numbers like 2020 or whatever, but what kind of vision do you have right now? Just kind of give us an idea of what it is you do and don't see. My vision is, of course, no central vision at all because that's what LHON or Labor's Hereditary Optic Neuropathy is. It's the loss of central vision. My peripheral vision is very blurry and grainy and some might describe it as looking through a sheet of, you know, say frosted glass. Mm -hmm. or through a couple of sheets of wax paper. And that is overall how my vision is just looking out. I don't see anything maybe three to five feet away. Everything just kind of disappears. And contrast is my best friend. I see contrast, right? (laughs) Contrast is the best. Yes. Bright white, dark black, you know, that kind of thing. So that's overall, you know, what my vision is like. Somebody's, you know, can classify it as low vision or trash. Travel vision. I have enough to get around, but not enough to do, you know, a lot of other things. Yeah. Well, that's a good reference point for us because I think as we continue on, it helps people kind of know where we're coming from as quote unquote visually impaired people, legally blind people, low vision, that sort of thing. So that's a good basis. Thanks for that information. I know it gets a little personal with, hey, this is what's wrong with me. If you want more information about Labor's Hereditary Optic Neuropathy, you can hop on over to lhon.org. That'll give you lots of great information. Maria, and I are part of a couple of Facebook groups and we hang out, we talk about it, a wonderful community. And if you have uh, a different issue, maybe you have RP or MACD, which stands for macular degeneration, as I like to call it, find a Facebook group that uh, is specifically for that and talk to people because I know it's a really good thing to connect with others like Maria and others that I have talked to. So Maria, as we jump into this, again, we're talking about struggles, sometimes the silent struggles that we go through. And there are lots of struggles that people have, whether you're sighted, whether
whether you're blind, whatever. But for visually impaired people, especially those like you and I and some of the audience that we have here, we lost our sight. We went from sighted to visually impaired. So we had that transition. And so we can have difficulty based on that. But we go through things, you know, there are physical, there are emotional, there are mental issues that we face as well. Now, obviously, the physical ones, not being able to see, to drive, for television, for lots of different things. We've talked a lot about that. But I thought today, and we've discussed it, we'd focus on kind of the emotional, the mental side of things. Maria, why don't you just kind of give us an idea of what have you seen from the visually impaired community? Do you see a lot of people talking about this? And if not, why do you think that is? You know, I do see some folks talk about it. And when they do, they're very open about it. But I also see people not talk about it. I think they hide it because they don't want to be vulnerable. They don't want people to know, you know, they're suffering. Maybe they just don't even know how to deal with it or express it. Now, I've been very open since day one about (laughs) my emotional struggles And I have no problem with it. I think it's good for others to hear about it so that they know they're not alone. And maybe someone will open up about what they're going through if they hear what others are going through. I just think people, some people might be ashamed. Maybe it's a male versus female thing, an age thing. Maybe some of the younger folks, again, just don't know how to express it. Where some of the older folks who are affected do. And some people just don't like to be public about that kind of thing. Yeah, that's very true. I think it depends on your stage in life and that sort of thing. And we're going to jump into some of the differences here in just a little bit. But why don't we talk about a couple of maybe just specific things in your own life? So first of all, Maria, like sadness. Everybody, whether you want to call it depression, you want to call it sorrow, and we're going to talk about more mental things in a minute, but sadness is something that hits us. How does it hit you and what does it look like in your life when you feel like I'm having a very, quote, sad day? You just feel like you're just going down, you know, almost like a zombie. It's a really heavy feeling. And in the beginning, you know, the sadness was so hard to get a handle on. I mean, I was so sad. I was sad because this was happening to me. I was sad because I was losing the life I knew. I was sad for my family. I was sad for, I was just sad for so many things. And in the beginning, they were bad. They were really, really bad long days. Mm -hmm. And it could last a week because I didn't know how to cope with things. I didn't know what was happening. I was so completely lost. Now, three and a half years later, those sad times are less, but I, you know, they still come through. They still rear their <laughs> big head into my life. Mm-hmm. And it may just be a couple of hours, maybe a day. It's just something that weighs heavy on me. And I, I don't talk a lot about it. I just kind of go through it mm-hmm. because I know it'll end. And I know it may be just a little thing that triggered it and it's something silly, but it gets to you. You know, it just gets to you because it has something to do with vision loss Mm -hmm. that you never had to deal with before. It'll just kind of come out of nowhere and then it will fade into nowhere, if you will. So (laughs) they're definitely fewer and far between as time goes by. But I think that there'll always be a little bit of sadness somewhere, you know, in the back of our mind because of what we've gone through. Personally, I think that would be a normal, a normal state to always 
have a little bit in there, but you just keep it at bay. Well, and sadness is one of those things that can rear up pretty consistently. But like you said, learning to cope with it and uh, learning to recognize some of the things that might be a trigger. Can you give us an example of something that might trigger you to kind of slip down into that? It could be that I can't get somewhere. We do have options for transportation, of course, because we lose that ability to drive. Mm -hmm. And we have options. And sometimes they're just not readily available. Maybe uh, a friend was going to take you to something and, you know, for whatever reason, they can't can't anymore. Then you're you're at home and you start to kind of sink into that woe is me moment mm-hmm. because what you expected to happen isn't happening. And the way you had to go about trying to make something happen is difficult. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't work out. And, you know, that'll trigger me into, you know, being upset. How I get over that is just let it go, which is hard in itself. Right. Another thing is you and I have talked about when we don't get out for a, maybe a series of days, mm-hmm. um, not because we don't want to go out. It's just that, you know, we haven't been out. There wasn't an opportunity or we just get busy around the house. But after a few days, there's something called cabin fever. And, and we feel that, you know, I'm just itching to just get out of the house and go somewhere. And again, we don't just, you know, get in the car and go. It's right. it's a series of steps for us to actually get out and go somewhere. And that will make me sad as well that I, I just don't have that freedom anymore. Absolutely. And, and that can really be something that hits us pretty hard. And something like not being able to drive, I think, is a consistent trigger for many people. And now let's shift to talking about it's it, maybe it's the same trigger, but now we feel instead of sadness, we feel anger. Like we get really angry at, at the situation. We might you know tear somebody's head off next to us. Do you get angry? <laughs> and if so, how does that manifest in your life, Maria? You know, anger does come up and I'm angry at LHON because of what it has done to my life. Now, there's people out there saying, you know, you can live this great, wonderful life, visually impaired, blind. I'm getting there. I'm understanding that Um, where I didn't in the beginning. I was thinking there is no way I'm going to live a good life. How in the world am I going to do that? Mm -hmm. But slowly, you know, you do start to understand that. But there's still things that do make me angry. I can't drive. I can't. I can't maneuver around the kitchen like I used to. I can't teach at different facilities like I used to. All those things that are the I used to's still make me angry. And the ignorant people that I have run into, the people that do not watch out for somebody who is blind, partially sighted, you know, especially with a cane. I've had people say to me, God, what are you blind? And I'm like, (laughs) "Uh, as a matter of fact, I am. You know, I have to stop myself because, you know, the filter, (laughs) there needs to be a filter (laughs) because, you know, it'll be like, really? But, you know, we don't look blind. and, And that's a whole nother topic, but it's the consideration. It's the just being educated about blind people and giving us the courtesy that we need to maneuver our way around, you know, a store or a different location. And when that doesn't happen, you know, it it does make me angry because it makes life harder for me. Yeah. And I think we get angry because when we deal with these things, we've never would have had to deal with this in our, quote, sighted life. So if you have gone from sighted to visually impaired, you're, as Maria said, dealing with the used to's. 
And now that you have to deal with these things now, it's very anger-producing that I, I, sh- I shouldn't have to deal with this person speaking like an idiot to me <laughs> you know, when they don't know what they're saying. Because if I was cited, I wouldn't have to deal with this. I used to you know, not have to deal with this, and now I do. And that can make you really angry. And I think, yeah. for, you know, I think for many people, we have to realize what triggers us and learn, like you said, what, what's a good filter? And, and I had a friend of mine come on the podcast a few episodes ago, and we talked about dealing with the cited community and the different things they say. And one of them was, you know, you don't look blind and things like that. So you have to learn how to deal with it, especially whenever you're dealing with sadness, with anger, with those kinds of emotions that come up and can be so like red hot. Do you feel red hot sometimes, Maria, when you get that way? Well, I guess you could take red hot a few different ways, but... Um, <laughs> You know, I like to think so, but I, um, you know, I wrote a blog about um, things that blind people should never have to, you know, defend. Mm-hmm. And one of them was when we ask for help, we should never have to defend our reasons why we need help with something. And when you get the old like, ah, fine. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. makes me angry. Or the tone of like, yeah wait a minute, I'll be right there. You're like, okay, obviously you don't want to help me. And, you know, it's like, you know, do you think I want your help? No. Do you think I would read this myself if I could? Yes, but I can't. So I need your help. So why are you making this difficult, Mm -hmm. you know, both physically and mentally for me. So, you know, I listed a few things. Don't tell me to use my cane when I don't want to use my cane. Mm -hmm. You know, that makes me angry. So blogged about it, been there, done that. There's just, just, it can be the most basic things that maybe we do differently and people don't understand why, how we do them. And, you know, that can be a trigger Definitely. Absolutely. So from these emotional things, I think we slip right into kind of things we've talked about. And and speaking of this, obviously, we're not mental health experts here, so you need to seek specialists in your area. But we go through mental uh, anguish at times. I mean, things from dealing with grief like denial and depression, things like anxiety and, and panic and isolation and all those sort of things that tax us mentally. So obviously, sadness, anger and those sort of things are mental in some way. But these almost take us to another level where now we need assistance getting through them. We might need a counselor, a, a therapist, a, somebody to walk us through these things. So, Maria, in your own life, and you share as much as you feel comfortable with, but have you gone through some of these more, I would say, mental issues like depression, anxiety, and so forth? Oh, yes, I do. Absolutely. Um, I think with vision loss comes a lot of those things. Like you said, I agree 100%. I don't care how strong of a person you were before losing vision. These things will take you down. And I have been through it. In the beginning, I went straight into denial. I I really did. I went straight to denial and I was like, oh, this is so not happening. And I got this. And if my vision stays kind of good, I'll be fine. You know, I'll still be able to drive. I'll still do all this stuff. So you know what? I'm good. I'm good. And as days and weeks went by, yeah, it it was clear I was not going to be able to handle this. And so I did seek out professional help early on and I did not have a good experience for the reason being that it wasn't the right therapist. They didn't have 
any experience dealing with somebody with sight loss, let alone a disability right. and, and how to cope with that and a recent disability, if you will. Mm-hmm. So about two or three sessions in, I finally said, you know, this isn't really doing me any good. And I just never went back. And I also thought to myself, I know what I'm doing here because this therapist told me, well, you're doing everything right. Okay, I can handle this. So I quit going to therapy and thought, yeah, I got this. I'm a pretty strong super mom, you know, (laughs) superhero. I got this. Well, time passed and I started to kind of circle the drain, if you will, and Mm. was like, yeah, I'm starting to go down again because my vision was declining rapidly. The more and more you lose vision, the more and more of your life you're starting to question. Mm -hmm. You're starting to wonder, how am I going to do this? And all of these things can really be harmful to somebody mentally. And it got bad for me, Derek. It got to the point where I would lay there and wonder, what am I going to do? Do I even want to? Mm-hmm. do anything about this? Do I want to go on living with sight loss? Mm-hmm. I had 50 great years. I was at the top of my game. And now this, it was really difficult for me to pick myself up off of that bed and say, get up and do something. Just get up. And luckily I did. I didn't make the other choice. And I just knew I had to be here to do better things. You know, I just had this feeling. I go, you know, there's going to be something I'm going to do with this. I don't know what, but there's going to be something I'm going to do with this. One of the things I did was I got myself to another therapist. Mm. And this time it was a therapist who dealt with people with disabilities. And my first thought was, how is she going to understand what it's like for me? Because I'm blind and she's not. But she understood everything. Mm. She was a mom. She had kids, teenage kids. Mm -hmm. She had a husband. She had an obstacle. She had lost the use of her body. I had lost the use of my vision. So dealing with the obstacles were something she was very familiar with. And I'm telling you, she helped me with so many struggles, a lot of light bulb moments in that little office. It was the best day of the week when I got to see my (laughs) therapist. I love therapy. And I have said that many times. I love it. And I did group therapy as well, which I think can be a really, really big benefit Mm -hmm. to those going through sight loss to be around others going through the same struggles in a group type setting with a really good facilitator. So that was my experience. And I encourage anyone listening to seek professional counseling and help because even if you don't think you need it, you just might. And you'd be surprised at how helpful going to therapy and counseling can be. Absolutely. And Maria, first of all, thank you for being so open and honest with that information. I think that in and of itself is so helpful to people. One thing that Maria mentioned was she went to see somebody And it didn't work. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean you're faulty or it's not going to work. But she said, you know, hey, this isn't a good fit. And then she found someone that was a good fit. And so I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this, maybe you're like, well, I tried therapy. It didn't work. Well, maybe it was the person you were with. Not that there's anything wrong with that person. But if it's not a good fit for you, it won't be helpful. And you want the most help you can get. So as Maria said, she went, she found somebody else who understood her from a certain point of view. And it was 
was the best day of the week for her. So I encourage <laughs> all of you, just like Maria said, seek that counsel, seek that opportunity to talk to someone. I, I've gone through my own issues of denial. I've written blogs about it with grief and all that sort of thing. So please take the opportunity to do that. As we continue, you know, you might be listening and you might be saying to Maria and myself, you know what? I'm not 50. I'm not 18. I, I don't have kids or I'm not married or how does this relate to me? Now, here's the thing, Maria, and we've talked about this. We're going to jump into the differences here. We all go through similar things, but in very different ways because of the situations we're in. So, for example, one of them, obviously, we pointed it out here is age. I was 18 when I lost my sight. You were, as you said, I'm going to go ahead and say the number now since you said it out loud, but (laughs) you were, you know, around 50 when you lost your sight. That's a completely different generation gap that is going to affect it. So what was it like losing your sight when you were 50 versus losing your sight when you're a teenager? Oh, I think there's such a huge difference. There really, really is. I was a mom. I had my own business. I was running a boot camp. I was teaching at four different facilities as a group fitness instructor. I was a volunteer at the high school. I was all over the place in my community, which I have lived in at the time for about 25 years. So I was pretty established in my community, but everything came to that screaming halt when I lost vision. It was taking care of the family. How was I going to drive my kids places? How was I going to do the volunteer things I was doing at their schools? How was I going to attend school functions and their activities? Shopping at the grocery store. I did all the food shopping. I did the clothes shopping for the kids. I picked up the little odds and ends that the family needed. The family finances. I handle all of that. That was on the computer. I was like, I can't even see my computer. How am I going to do that? Mm-hmm. I also was involved in a lot of other activities with some of the women in my community. And I was like, how am I going to get to these places? How am I going to continue to be the supportive friend and the, um, you know, the connected into the groups I was connected into as a school mom, a band mom, um, you know, just a friend in general in my community. And those were all things that I was like, how in the world am I going to continue to do all of that as a 50 year old woman? (laughs) Absolutely. And and you mentioned another difference a lot of us share is, you know, the stage of life we're in, whether you're an adult, a teenager, whether you're married, single, have kids, don't have kids. Obviously, a lot of older people will lose their sight to you know, macular degeneration, things like that. It all depends on how and where you're at in your life. Now, again, you're going to experience sadness, anger, depression, all those things. It may just come out a little bit differently. Another one is how long you have been visually impaired. I know for Maria, she mentioned about three and a half years. For me, almost 16 years. So we experience things a little differently because of how long it's been. And another one, Maria, I know that you live in a fairly metropolitan area. We have Uber, we have public transportation, things like that. But what about somebody who lives out in the sticks, if you will? I know that you had mentioned to me uh, a story about a gentleman who lived out somewhere where it was hard to get. Could you share that with us? Just kind of give us a stark example of the difference between living maybe where there's Uber and maybe where there's not. Yeah, I mean, seriously, um, very lucky. Like you said, we both live in, you know, decent sized cities where there's transportation options. We're not all, you know, comfortable using them right off the bat. Lyft, Uber, the train, the bus, paratransit, things of that sort. Being 18 or 50, we're kind of in a weird place. We're not old enough to get 
senior services, but we're not young enough to, you know, get, you know, services for under 18. So mm-hmm. you and I both fell in a weird kind of um, range. We didn't really qualify for a lot of services that were out there. At least that's what I found when I was looking for transportation options, you know, economical transportation options. You know, I have talked with folks and heard other folks talk in the community that they live out in farm country. They're, you know, literally it's dirt roads. They're miles from the store and their neighbor may even be miles away. And their biggest thing is how do I get anywhere? They have no Lyft and Uber like you we had said no buses go there, you know, to get a friend to come pick them up. It may be, you know, a bit of a jaunt for that friend to to come over. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can't walk anywhere because everything's too far. Of course, when you're, you know, uh, you know, with sight loss, you know, it takes a while to even just get to walk down the block, you know, or maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, we're just around your neighborhood. So, Mm -hmm. you know, taking a hike down a dirt road, that's a big deal. And some people may never be comfortable doing that. But I can only imagine and I don't pretend to what it would be like to be in more of an urban area where there are no options like that. And that's got to be really, really difficult. We have the options, Derek, and we still find it difficult to get around. Right. But to not even have those options, you know, people do struggle with that as well. And that's a really big add-on to coping with sight loss. Absolutely. And and I grew up in a very small town when I lost my sight initially. I could walk to maybe a local grocery store, but if we wanted to go anywhere, it was a good 25, 30-minute drive. And when you can't drive anymore and you have to have friends come get you, sometimes they don't live next door. They live another 15 minutes away. They got to come it's, and it's a whole mess. So I think our point here is that all these things that we struggle with, we're going to struggle with regardless of the situation, but it might look look a little different based on our age, based on where we live, based on all these different factors. So if you're out there listening, you say, I'm not your age, or I don't live where you live, or whatever, we get it, and we totally understand. The point is, you're not alone, even though your suffering or your situation might look a little different. Now, Maria, we're having great conversation. I'm super excited about this. I want to take a quick break, but stick around because right after this, I'm going to ask Maria some questions about her biggest fears and what gets her in and out of the funk, if you will. So stick around. We'll be right back with more from Maria Johnson from Girl Gone Blind right after this. Guys, you know I advertise uh, the show notes a lot of times. Like today's episode is lifeaftersightloss.com slash 013. But the basis of all the show notes is lifeaftersightloss.com. It's my website. And if you haven't been there and looked around a whole bunch, you're missing a whole bunch of stuff. There's videos. There's blog posts. There's more podcast episodes. You can sign up to be part of my email newsletter, which I send out a weekly newsletter, and you can get that and encouragement and see the new content that just came out. You can find out ways to work with me in a more personal way. You can contact me. There's just all kinds of great stuff on the website. So if you haven't gotten a chance to go over and check more of the stuff out, please do so. Just go to lifeaftersightloss.com. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can read the blog post, all that good stuff. Hop on over there, lifeaftersightloss.com.
And we are back. We're continuing our discussion about our struggles with Maria Johnson from GirlGoneBlind.com. And we're talking about the struggles that we go through. Sometimes we go through them in silence and sometimes we're scared to share, but we all go through them and sometimes we all go through them in different ways. But Maria, I thought now I take you through a few questions, maybe questions that people have, or maybe they want to know what you think about these questions because they might wonder, I think this, is that normal? I'm not sure. So Maria, I'd like to ask you these questions and we'll start with what is your greatest fear as a visually impaired person? I think my biggest fear is that I will never feel totally independent. I was very independent before I lost my sight. I was moving and grooving and, you know, like I said, superhero mom doing it all. And, you know, when I had my vision loss, I just felt like all of that was taken away. But slow baby steps, I'm learning to get back a lot of that independence. But there is that little part of me that feels like, how am I ever going to be fully independent and not have to rely on so many other people and devices and and different things of that sort? Am I ever going to be truly and 100% independent? Yeah, and it's one of those things that you hold on to because independence always seems about an arm's length away that you can't ever really reach it. Because if you can't drive, you can't be independent or... Or if you can't do this, you can't be independent. And so it's it's one of those things that I think is pretty consistent in people's minds. The next question, I'll combine these next two because I think they're very similar. And we've talked about it a little bit. What kind of things send you into a funk? And I'll let you describe that yourself, whatever you want to think. But then what gets you out of a, quote, funk? One thing that'll send me into a funk is when I ask for help and people don't help me. It's not that I'm totally relying on everyone for help. I'm not a slave driver to my kids and I'm not, you know, completely dependent on people. Um, I'm of course striving to be independent, like we just said. Mm -hmm. But when I ask for help and I get the gruff answer or they just won't help me, you know, that'll really, that really hurts my feelings. And I'm not asking for help because I want to, it's because I need to. Mm -hmm. And you know, I wouldn't ask if I didn't need it. And that will kind of set me off into a little bit of a funk. Or if, you know, I have friends and family doing some things that maybe I'd like to do, but I know that it's it's just not possible because I have vision loss, that will send me into a funk as well. Going to a concert and not being able to see the performers mm. can put me in a funk. My first one I went to, I was, I mean, it was really, no pun intended, an eye opener because I was <laughs> like, it just wasn't the same. You know, I got in a little bit of a funk because of that. It was like, oh, I couldn't see a thing. I mean, the music was great, but part of a concert and a performance is the performance. Those types of things can put me into a funk. Now, I will go into a funk and I will sit in a funk because I feel you have to. I think you need to go through it and then to get out of that funk, you need to help yourself. There's so many people out there, sighted or blind, it doesn't matter, that go into a funk and they do nothing mm-hmm. to help themselves out of it. I think they get used to just sitting there. They just get used to it. That becomes their normal. That's not a good place to be at all. And, and as you would agree, Derek, and mm-hmm. I, you know, it took some time, but to get yourself out of that funk is the right thing to do. I rely on, you know, a lot of things, but to just name something, I rely on my friends. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love my friends. They have stuck by me. The support that they have given me is unmeasurable. They have never left me for any reason. 
They didn't leave me behind. They keep including me. And I think that that keeps pulling me forward. And to go out and spend some quality time with friends, you know, is so good for the soul. If you can't get out with friends, a really great phone call can really pull you out of a funk. Derek, you and I have talked a lot of times on the phone and I'm saying we were on a, in a funk at either, you know, any of our conversations, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's just those conversations where you can, you know, validate, um, other people, you know, the other person's feelings or maybe Mm -hmm. your own feelings, get something off your chest, um, say, Hey, this happened to me. And you know, what do you think you can get off that phone and feel so much better and kind of put that funk behind. I think you're right, Maria. And I think, like you said, such good advice to be with people or talk to people or take that time once you feel depleted to sort of give yourself that energy. And sometimes you can't give it to yourself. It takes people in your life or it takes other situations. So Maria, finally, let me give you a scenario here. Let's say somebody sent you a text message and said, Maria, I'm going through sight loss. Is there a good piece of advice you have for me? And you had to text them back. What do you think is the one thing? And obviously we can't ever say one thing, but if you could Mm -hmm. pick one thing out, what would you text them back? I would say whatever you're going through and feeling at this moment is totally normal and that within time, things will get better. And all of the things you say you can't do now will be things that you can do later, but it's just going to take time and you need to give it that. So true and such good advice for anybody going through sight loss right now. Well, Maria, we have talked a ton today about a lot of different things, and I hope every listener out there had their ears perked and they were listening in and they got this good stuff and they maybe they'll go back and listen to it again because there's so much in what Maria had to say today and offer because, man, she's been through the ringer just like I have, just like we all have at times, but she is striving to move forward in her life. And speaking of which, Maria, as we close it out here, why don't you give us where can we find you online and how can people connect with you? Because I know they'll want to after this. I have been very open with my journey since um, losing vision. I started a blog three months after I was diagnosed with LHON um, and just put it all out there. I've been dealing with my sight loss pretty much in public um, for the last three and a half years. And my blog site is girlgoneblind.com. You can find me on Facebook at Girl Gone Blind and on Twitter at girl underscore gone underscore blind. Well, there you go, guys. And if you're listening to this, I'm going to put all the links to that in the show notes. So you go over there, you click on those links, you go follow, like, tell Maria how great she is, validate herself as a person, because that's what we're looking for from social media. So anyway, Maria Johnson from GirlGoneBlind.com, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Derek. And it's just been a great conversation. And I really, really appreciate you inviting me on. It's been my pleasure. there you go, my friends. A great discussion with my great friend, Maria Johnson from girlgoneblind.com. Hey, we had a great talk and she is just so exciting to talk to because she's got great stories. She's only been blind just a few years, but she's already jumped head first 
feet first, head first. I don't know. She's jumped on in <laughs> to the the visually impaired community. She's an advocate for people. She supports people. It's just she's doing great things. So make sure you go to girlgoneblind.com. Check her out on Facebook, Twitter, of course. Links to all that stuff are in the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 013. I was so happy to have Maria on the show. So thumbs up to you, Maria. Thanks for being a part of this today. And I'm sure that Maria will be back in the future to discuss even more stuff about being visually impaired. Hey, if you like today's episode, you've got to subscribe to the podcast. Why? So you don't miss another one. It'll come right to your phone. It'll come right to your computer, wherever you subscribe. You can do that on iTunes. I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast. Just go to lifeaftersightloss.com slash podcast and you can get all the links to subscribe to the show. It's totally free and it's a great way to never miss another episode. And while you're feeling frisky and subscribing, I'd love to get a rating and review from you in iTunes. Now, maybe you're not an iTunes user. Maybe you're an Android user and you're like, what do I care about iTunes? Well, it's just a great way to get feedback on the podcast. And it lets other people know, hey, this is what this is about. I really enjoyed it. This specific episode was good. I'd love a rating and review. Now, look, if you're not an iTunes user and you're like, "Uh," the best way to do it is just to share the podcast with somebody. Let somebody else know, hey, this is a great podcast. You need to check it out. So if you be so kind as to share a rating and review in iTunes, that'd be awesome. But if you would share it with one of your friends, one of some person that you met, that would be awesome as well. So share it out, rating and review. Thank you so much. And don't forget to hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and my email address, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at lifeaftersightloss.com. I've heard from quite a few of you, and that's so exciting and encouraging. I'd love to hear from all of you. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, take five minutes, pull out your phone, or pull out your computer. I guess you wouldn't pull your computer out if it's actually on a desk. Anyway, the point is, get on there and send me a message. Let me know what you think. Maybe you have an idea for a podcast episode. Maybe you liked a certain thing. Maybe you got a question you want me to answer. Whatever it is, send me a message message on all the social medias and my email address. I'd love to hear from you guys. And that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Life After Sight Loss Radio. Hey, don't forget to go over to the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 013 to get all the links so that you can talk to Maria, you can read her blog, you can check out her Twitter, go over lifeaftersightloss.com slash 013. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate it as always. And until next time, Remember that sight loss isn't the end, it's just the beginning. My name is Derek Daniel from lifeaftersightloss.com, and I'll see you in the next one. All the information on this podcast and on lifeaftersightloss.com is intended for informational and educational purposes only. If you're in need of medical, legal, or professional advice, please seek out a specialist in your area.